Sawate de Skipuli. Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's featuring uh, some barking dogs as I open up this episode. So uh, thanks to them too. Anyways, what my plan for today or for this episode is we're going to get back into some grammar. And what I'm trying to do now is I'm, I'm looking back at older episodes that I've done and I'm just going to revamp them. So this is one of my very first episodes where I'm talking about the concepts of subjects and direct objects. And the reason why I decide to do this, firstly, is because kids seldom know parts of speech nowadays. It's becoming a lost art of understanding what a subject is, what a direct object is, what's a preposition, what's a conjunction, what's an article. All of these things, as well as a verb, I, you know, I had students telling me, oh, a cook is a verb. No, a cook is a noun. A chef, a cook. No, you cannot to chef. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it just baffles me that we're losing this ability to understand our language um, at its most fundamental basis. I also was very guilty, guilty of that, which is why... I actually, and how I learned English was through Latin. And by studying Latin, I then looked at language through this perspective outside of my own, where I then appreciated what I had been speaking all along um, and the words in which I used and how to use them in different ways, shapes, and forms. So you guys, I'm all about this rhetoric revolution here that I'm talking about. So this should be one of my very, very first episodes. Um, and the reason why is because I believe I was, I think I was doing it on a, I think I was just speaking into my computer for my very first episode. So uh, we're, we're, we've upped the ante at, at least a bit. So stick with me as we get into subjects, which are always nouns. The nouns or nouns in a noun or noun in which a noun or plural amount of nouns in a sentence which do the action represented by the main verb. For example, I teach. I is the subject of the verb teach because I is doing the action of teaching. You will learn. You is the subject of the verb learn. The time when the action takes place, in this case, at the, some point in the future, doesn't matter. You is still the subject of the sentence, even if the action hasn't happened. We studied. We is the doer of studied, thus the subject of the sentence. Here, the verb is past tense, but that doesn't affect the verb. Affect the verb. We as, or we are still the actors who perform the action of studying even though it happened long ago. It isn't. It is the subject of isn't. The subject can also be a noun, which is said not to be doing the action of the verb if the verb is modified by a negator like not, never, in no way. So just right then, and there, I wanted to give you guys some examples of what a subject is, if you didn't already know. A lot of those that I did iterate, therefore, were pronouns like I, you, we, y'all. Those are all pronouns, but pronouns are subjects because pronouns 
are just antecedents of actual nouns. Pro meaning for or forward. And it's a for noun. It's for the noun. It's an antecedent referring back to its original noun. I, who am I? I am Liam. I don't need to say Liam all the time. I can just say I or Mr. Connerly for all of my students who know of me as such. Anyways, getting on. After some water. In other words, subjects can also be the non-doers of the verb action if the point of the sentence is to say outright that the subject didn't do something, as in, she cannot forget. She is the subject of forget, even when she isn't actually forgetting because she can't, according to the sentence. So, even if she is a non-doer, grammatically, she's still the doer, the subject. One last example I'll give, they must leave. They is the subject, in this case, the need to doers um, of the verb action, leave. As you can see from this subject, and we in the third example, subjects can be plural, more than one person operating collectively, essentially. As plural, subjects can also become compounded or compound, rather. For instance, you and I are happy. You and I is a compound subject where two singulars have been put together and add up to a plural. For instance, truth and justice will prevail. Truth and justice is another example of two singulars operating collect collectively to make a plural subject of the verb prevail or they will do at some point in the future. As noted before, the time frame of the sentence, sentence's action, sentences with a ticky mark S, doesn't matter in determining the subject. The time frame involves only the verb itself. In every full sentence, the ver main verb has a subject of some sort, be it singular, plural, or plural compound. The same is not true, however, of all types of verbs. Only main verbs have to have subjects, for instance. However, other standalone verb forms don't. For instance, those ending in ing. These are what I refer to as participles, more, most likely than not. They don't have subjects, but for this presentation, our immediate purposes here are to determine the subject of the sentence. You can ignore the verb forms ending in ing. You can know those as participles. You can remember that term if you want to. You don't have to, though. Now that you know what a subject is, let's address how to identify it in a sentence. Okay, Since what subjects do is show who's performing the action of the main verb to determine the subject, you should ask yourself which noun in the sentence is doing or did or will do the action of the main verb, essentially. That assumes you know what the main verb of the sentence is. So you'll have to figure out before you can pick out the subject. Hmm, interesting. If identifying verbs is a problem for you, which it shouldn't, but if it is, let's, let's make, make it not a problem soon enough here. Um, 
in which case I will be actually diving back into a, a lesson on verbs. So without further ado, how about love will conquer all? The verb here, what's the verb here? Conquer. As the only verb in the full sentence, it has to be the main verb. It's a pretty short sentence. If you want to determine the subject, ask yourself who or what will conquer all, essentially, because we know that whatever comes after the verb is the direct object. Whatever comes before the verb is the subject. So who or what will conquer all in this case? The answer to that question is at the beginning of the sentence, and that is the subject. What's the answer, y'all? Love. Love is the subject of the sentence. It's, the do, it's doing the action of conquering in this case. How about one more example here? Nobody doesn't like money. Or if you know anyone who doesn't, uh, tell them to send me theirs. I really hate to see people suffer because, um, yeah, who doesn't like money? The answer to that question is the subject. And who is it? Nobody. So nobody in the, is the subject of this sentence. In this case, well, rather note, even if the subject is negative and the verb too, it's still grammatically the subject. So without further ado, we're going to leave that as such and dive into direct objects super quickly <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, wrap up the episode and let you guys get on with your day. So, a direct object is any noun which receives the action of a verb. Typically, a direct object comes after the verb. So, then that's why we always refer to in grammar an SVO sentence, a subject verb object. So, for instance, I see you. Who's I? I is the subject. C is the verb. To see, see, will see, had seen, will have seen. See how I can turn those into all different types of tenses. Would have seen, shall see, will have been seen. I'm going all crazy. Anyways. And you is the direct object because you is the object of the seeing in this sentence. That is, it's on the receiving end of the seeing that the subject I is doing here. So another example, you make lots of money. What's the verb here? Make. To make, made, will make, will have made, will be making. You know, let's let out made. Who's doing the making? You. So that's the subject and the thing or things that are being made by you are what, essentially? Well, in this case, lots of money in this case. Of, you'll recall from uh, a, probably a lesson from the past, which I will definitely get back into later on because this reminds me of certain things. It's a preposition and uh, it's object aka the object of the preposition or in this case with when i talk to my students the op here is money uh so of money is actually a prepositional phrase accompanying lots so um we could say just lots and leave it at that but of money helps to finalize that statement and help us understand what lots is 
because it could be a lot of anything. It could be like a lot of leaves. I don't know. A lot of laundry. Mean uh, reminding me that I need to go get mine at some point here really soon because I'll do a lot of folding here. Um, so if money is the object of the preposition, it also can't be a direct object. One noun can't do double duty in a sentence. That's the rule. So you can always rule out an OP like money here as the direct object. The direct object here is just lots and lots is alone. Of course, lots and of money really mean the same thing when you put them together, but the meaning and grammar aren't always exactly the same. So grammatically, these words function in very different ways. So even though they share one meaning, lots is the direct object and of money is a prepositional phrase. All right, I'm done. One more example. Who can blame me for loving you? Who is the subject? Who? is the subject. Blame is the verb. So what's a direct object? Who's receiving the action of the verb? Me. That's the direct object then. And in this case for loving you is just an entirely separate little dealio that we won't get into now. But um, well, for loving is a participle taking on the date of case. And then you is the, the date of being given that uh, love in this case. But we're not going to worry about that, like I said. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there. I appreciate you all very much for sticking with me. If you enjoyed this episode, please, as I always remind you all, uh, go give me some love on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. Spotify, you just leave a rating. You got to listen to a few episodes apparently and because I've tried to do this for other podcasts. Um, and if you don't listen to a certain amount of their episodes prior to hand, uh, you they won't allow you to actually give a rating, which I actually kind of like. Um, and then also Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, you got to type it in unless you're already following me on P Apple Podcasts. I don't know how to even check about that really. But regardless of, if you do so, type in Latin and Layman or the Rhetoric Revolution, whatever you want to do, uh, help the algorithm in my favor by giving me five star stars or whatever you feel like I deserve, and um, maybe leave me a little, little affirmation or, or something like that that I can uh, shout you out for. So thanks again for tuning on in with me, Tempus Est. Discovery.